we called On Demand. It was our uh, 24-hour concentrated men's encounter with God. And we had about 60 men that were there on Friday night and all day Saturday. And it was a marathon. But i got to tell you, man, we've got rock for Jesus. Amen, guys? Come on. Let's give God a hand. We have some testimonies this morning of some guys that really God did something great in their lives. And, Sean, if you could bring those guys up right now. I just want to take a couple minutes here. We want to hear some praise. The Bible says that they overcame the devil by the word of their testimony. Amen? The blood of the Lamb and their word of the testimony. So we're going to hear some great testimonies. Why don't you give me your name and just give me real quick what God did for you, brother. Uh, Jesse. My name's Jesse Hazlitt. And... God actually really changed the fact that my spirit was completely devoured by unforgiveness and it made it a lot easier to just go and be forgetful for things that have happened to me. A lot of things that have happened in my life to say, look, I forgive you and we can just put this behind us now. Amen. Come on. God bless you, Jesse. Come on over, brother. Amen. You've had God do some really incredible things in your life. Why don't you just get... Let's give us a little snippet here. Um, give us just a little snippet of kind of, you know, your testimony is a long testimony, but I need you just to kind of get it real, real narrow. But you've had God really do some miracles in your life, haven't you? Yes, I have. It has been unreal. It was about eight years ago, me and my, I had an identical twin brother, and we were addicted to drugs. And last year on Super Bowl Sunday, we decided we were going to go out and get some more to fix our flesh we were going to get some drugs and alcohol well on our way to do it we ran out of gas and we were hit by a drunk driver and he was killed and you know i just had a lot of guilt that i was it was weighing down on me why me why are they taking my best friend if i do this but i can ask why a million times and it happened and it it, no it does not bring him back so I just got the, you know, the guilt and the why, why, why. It's just, all I can say about this weekend is wow. Come on. <laughs> Amen. Amen. What is your first name? My name is Brett Cooper, and I'm from West Palm Beach, Florida. Well, Brett Cooper, God bless you. Thanks for sharing, man. Amen. Come on over. Oh, we're going to, okay. All right. Yeah. Uh, what, what we're going to do is... Uh, oh, hang on, hang on, hang on. Let me introduce you. All right. <laughs> this is Oliver and this is Mike. And uh, Oliver, why don't you just go ahead and uh, you talk in Spanish and Mike will interpret for you. All right. Yeah, for the Spanish people, I'm going to talk in Spanish. So um, he's going to translate. Okay. Um, lo que pasó aquí ayer eh, fue bien impresionante. Uh, what happened here yesterday was very uh, emotional and impressive. Le, yo tengo un hijo... Eh, my son was uh, brought up in the streets God gave me the opportunity to bring him here uh, to the encounter this weekend with me and he's a new man of God (laughs) (laughs) and how about you Oliver what did God do with you um, God, yeah, okay. este, yo tenía mucha, 
me ha hablado ayer y me ha tocado y me ha dicho que poco a poco él va a, a sacar eso de mi, de mi corazón. <laughs> it was good. Um, I know that. I had a lot of hangups in life with a lot of people, and little by little, uh, the Lord has shown me that um, I can take those things out and forgive and just have a fresh start. Amen. Awesome. Awesome. Eh, entonces, un, un puntito más que voy a tocar. Um... <laughs> Amen. Hey, I mean, I'm going to go to Mike over here. Oliver, we want to just, it was just awesome to have you with us this weekend. Mike, I want to hear what God did in your life. Um, just to make it quick, I think uh, God just uh, solidified my relationship with him. It was almost like a car wash. I went in dusty and I came out clean. Amen. You know? <laughs> so it was like, it was great. And then they got in the inside, right? They yeah. cleaned on the inside. Broke all the chains and, you know, let go of any hangups that I had and, you know, cried a little bit, laughed a little bit, ate too much. Amen. So it was good. Amen. Thanks, awesome. guys. Come on, let's give him one more hand here. Hey, come on over. All right. Ed, tell, tell the people what God did in your life. Well, I tell you, tell us one thing. <laughs> it, just, it just felt good this morning being forgiven. Yeah. You know, and uh, the thing was is that there were some, I had some, some problems going on personally. But the Lord broke chains, set me free from bondages I didn't even know I had. And I just thank God for this church because now I belong to a band of brothers. Come on. Guys man. that I can count on. Amen. They help me walk through it. Amen. Man, I love you. Bless you, brother. And uh, this is Sean Gibson. Sean Gibson was the coordinator for this men's encounter. Would you just kind of tell us one thing you felt God did for you in this encounter? I tell you what. Here's the thing. I was challenged by God to get to know him more than the problem solver. To actually know him on an intimate level, on a daily basis, to talk with him just like a regular person. And not just to, to give him things that I'm working on at work or all this other stuff. To have a casual, endearing, intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit. He's my friend. That's exactly it. That's good. That's it. Good, good, good. Thanks, Sean. weekend and uh i just got to tell you i was i was touched one of the sessions that we have is called the cross and and in that session there was just it's hard to even explain but when you begin to really think about what christ has done for you and there was a moment when uh, they show a video clip of the passion of the christ and in that moment when jesus says i forgive you for father forgive them i just heard jesus say to me son i forgive you And there's just no better feeling. That's what being a believer is about, knowing that you're forgiven. Come on, knowing that you're forgiven, that your eternity is set, that you're going to spend, you're going to spend forever and ever with Jesus. There's just nothing better than that. If you have your Bibles this morning, I want you to turn to Luke's Gospel, chapter 18. On Thursday afternoon, I was preparing for the encounter, and I felt like the Lord just speak to my heart that I wanted to prepare our people. I wanted Him to prepare this church for expectation, how to get the attention of God, how, how to know that God is really with you. 
how to know that when you pray, you can really uh, pray to a God who hears and answers your prayers. In our lives, we have opportunities. We have moments. We have blimps that come and go. And if we miss those opportunities, those many times will never come back around again. In 1986, uh, I was living in Tucson, Arizona, and uh, I had just an opportunity. I had a moment in my life that radically changed my destiny. It was just one moment. It was one moment where I met an individual that I had never talked to in my life before. Just a chance coincidence. Just a chance coincidence to meet an individual and share my story with him. Share what God did in my life and how he saved me. And that one chance encounter radically changed the rest of my life. Because at that moment, I had no idea what that man would do with me. Because of that encounter with that man, that man decided that my testimony was so incredible, he wanted, me, he wanted to help me in the journey of life. And he actually paid for my whole next year of college. And it was in that next year of college that I met, beside my salvation, the greatest gift that God has ever given to me. And that was my beautiful wife, Laura Loy. Laura Jean Loy. It was a moment. It was an opportunity. I could have missed that opportunity. I could have missed that opportunity, but I took that moment. I felt impressed. I was at work. You're not supposed to talk about your faith at work. But I was at work, and I had a moment, and I took that opportunity. I took the prompting of God to do what He had spoken to me to do. This morning, we're going to read about a man. I shared just a few minutes. I shared a lot of minutes on Friday night about this man, but I'm going to condense it for us this morning. Because I believe that this is the heartbeat of Jesus. As you go through the pages of the Bible and you come to Luke's Gospel, chapter 18, we're going to begin with verse number 35. There's a man, there's a man that really kind of sums up to me the, the men or the women that encounter Jesus in life. There's two things about people that encounter Jesus. One, they're desperate. And two, they're determined. People who... People who really encounter Jesus and have a life-altering change. One, they're desperate. And two, they're determined. Luke's Gospel, chapter 18, we read through the Gospel and we see some really cool things. We see Jesus talking about prayer and persistency. You see right at the very beginning, He talks about a widow. And then He talks about how we get to heaven. How we get to the kingdom of God. And He equates it to being like a little child. He says, you've got to be like a little kid. And and he talks about a couple of men, one full of pride, thinking that he didn't really need God, thinking that he could really do it on his own. i got to tell you, I've met a lot, a lot of men in my life that really didn't feel like they needed God. I mean, a lot of men. I don't need that. I can do it. I even heard at the encounter someone tell me, oh, I just, i got to go fix some things. And I'm thinking, as long as I'm still trying to fix some things, not too many things are going to get fixed in my life. Isn't that right? Not too many things are going to get fixed in my life. Jesus talks about these two kinds of guys. One comes humbly, acknowledging that he's a sinner. And, and the other just says, Ah, oh, God, look at all the things that I do. Look how wonderful I am. And he talks about who actually comes into the kingdom, who God actually hears. God hears the humble heart. And then he begins to tell his disciples about the power of the resurrection. He begins to share with them that he's going to die on the cross and on the third day. It was the third time that he had told them. And then all this is summed up in this story of this one man. I call him Blind Bart. Everyone say, Blind Bart. Blind Bart was a man whose destiny was changed in one moment. There was an opportunity that passed his way, 
And he took that opportunity. He took that moment. And because he took that moment, the rest of his life was changed. But not only was his life changed, people around him were changed. And really, this is what the Christian life is about. You know, we, we focus many times in an encounter. It really is about us getting right with God. But if that's the end result, it's really to no avail. Because the fact is, it's about us getting right with God so we can fulfill the design and the destiny for which God created us. You've been created by God for a mission. Everyone say, I have a mission. My mission is to win souls. I will never be satisfied until I'm fulfilling my mission. See, you'll never be satisfied in your life until you're fulfilling your mission in God. In Luke's Gospel, chapter 18, verse number 35, the Bible says, As Jesus approached Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. And when he heard the crowd going by, he asked what was happening. They told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. He called out, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. Those who led the way rebuked him and told him to be quiet. But he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and ordered the man to be brought to him. And when he came near, Jesus asked him, What do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you? If you have a highlighter, if you have a pen, if you have your Bible, if you read your, the Bible on your phone, you can actually click on there. You can highlight that verse. But I want to ask you today, what do you want Jesus to do for you? What do you want Jesus to do for you? Immediately he responded, Lord, I want to see, he replied. Jesus said to him, receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus, praising God. And when all the people saw it, they also praised God. Father, in these next few moments, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your kindness. Lord, I thank you this morning that every week we gather together at City Church and we have people that fill out and touch cards and they've identified needs. And Lord, I thank you for this person today that last week said, Lord, I'm believing for finances. I'm believing for healing of my body. And Lord, I just come into an agreement with them today. Lord, I pray for this individual. Lord, they said, I have a weak card. And Jesus, I need you to touch me. Lord, thank you that they've identified a need that only you can fix in their life. Father, I thank you for this man that wants to walk with you. And I pray even today, Lord, that as you've arrested his attention, I thank you that your grace will be with him and draw him to you. Father, I thank you for this person who's praying for her mother who's depressed. and Lord, she's identified a need that only you can meet. I thank you, Lord Jesus, for this young man who had a need. And we've been praying for weeks and weeks and weeks for a job. And, and Lord, he wrote it down on a card. And Lord, you heard the prayers of your people. And you, heard his, and you heard his cry. And you responded and you provided for that job. Lord, I thank you today for each of these needs. I pray for this woman who's praying for her sister to be saved and born again. And I come into an agreement today. Father, I thank you for this individual, for the family. They're seeking for new jobs. And I come into an agreement. And I thank you, Jesus, that they've taken time to write down on a card, Lord, I need you. 
Lord, for each of these that respond every week on these in touch cards, I thank you today that you're the God that hears and answers their prayers. And Lord, I pray today in these next few moments our hearts will be open to hear. And God, that we will respond, that we'll say, Lord, I truly have a need that only you can fix. Jesus, I ask this in your wonderful and mighty name. And everyone said, Amen. These in touch cards are powerful tools. Because on there, there's a place for you to respond. And at the end of this message today, I'm going to give every person an opportunity to take just a few moments and to identify a need in your life. You know, some of the most awkward moments I've had in my life have been in prayer meetings where you go around the room as a leader and you say, does anyone have a need? And no one responds. Come on. If you've ever been a group leader, or you've, ever been, you've ever been in a group and someone says, hey, does anybody have a need today? And then there's like one person that always tries to help the group along and they're like kind of trying to make up a need. They're thinking about it. And I mean, I've, I thought, oh, why does that happen? I mean, why does that, why would you be in a group of believers and when it's asked if anyone has a need, no one has a need? Has anyone ever experienced that before? I mean, you've, and it's an awkward, it's like an awkward silence. Uh, well, I don't know if I got a need. But the fact is, you know, maybe you're uncomfortable with the group or there's not enough intimacy or relationship with the group. I don't know about you, but I got some big needs. I got some big needs in my life. I got some needs that are so big that if Jesus doesn't pass my way, I'm sunk. My boat is sunk. I need Jesus today. And this man, as Jesus was passing by, had an opportunity. He had a moment. He had a moment. He had a time. He had a season. He had something in his life that only Jesus could do. And this was the day that Jesus was coming his way. Jesus was on his way to through Jericho on his way to Jerusalem. It was the last feast that Jesus would celebrate with his disciples before he would go to the cross. And this man had a date with destiny. This man had a date with Jesus. However, he wasn't even looking for it. He wasn't even looking for this opportunity. It just came his way. Look what the Bible says in verse number 35. As Jesus approached Jericho. You see, Jesus is a sovereign God. Jesus knows every detail of your life. Jesus cares about the big problems and the small problems. On our way this, uh, to church this morning, my wife was sharing with me, she was out in the yard yesterday, and she was pulling weeds, and, and, and we have that brown mulch like we have around the church here that after three or four rains, washes out, becomes discolored, and you wonder why you just went and spent 50 bucks to remulch your yard. You know what I'm talking about? We got that same kind of mulch, and it's been a long time since I've put any fresh mulch out there. And, and she, she said, you know, I was just in the yard pulling weeds and thinking, boy, it would be really nice to have some fresh mulch out here. And she said the moment she had that thought, she looked up, and there was a truck driving down our street, and guess what it had in the back of it? Fresh mulch. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? Oh, that was just a coincidence. Oh, no, 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 no. Because you don't know the God that I serve. You see, the God that I serve says He even counts the finest, smallest hairs that's left on top of my bald head. He knows every detail about my life. You see, this man had a destiny. He had a problem. But he had a Savior who cared. He had a Savior who cared. Jesus said, listen, guys. I didn't come for the whole. I came for the sick. Jesus said it's the sick that need a physician. It's the broken that need a physician. 
I mean, and this guy was broken. Look what the Bible says about him. He was a blind man sitting by the roadside begging. So he was broke, he was busted, and he was disgusted. Come on, right? I mean, he was broke, he was blind, he was poor. He was a, he was a problem in culture. He was, I mean, he didn't even have food stamps to collect. I mean, he was, he was hungry. He was a menace. He was a, he was someone looking for a handout. They didn't have opportunities for blind people to learn braille and find a career back then. It didn't work like that. If you were blind, born blind, they just, if you were a Jew specifically, they figure you were born with a curse. Your parents must have did something wrong. And so you were an outcast. You were an outcast. You were, you were just left to fend for yourself. And he was a beggar. How many of you ever met somebody that's a professional beggar before? You ever met somebody? They irritate you, don't they? Good. If you've met a real beggar, man, they are really intense. Uh, we were on our way to Rome, and, and we were on the train, and there's professional beggars that work the train. And you're just like, you're holding on to everything. You know, you're just like, you're like I don't know. You know, you're just... Uh, why they're tense? They're not going to take no for an answer. They're, they're beggars. They're professional. They're good at it. They work it. I mean, they really, really work it. And if this guy was going to live, I mean, he was going to be pretty intense about getting enough money so he could give food for the day. See, he was a problem to people. He was a problem to people. He was a problem to people. But he was a miracle for Jesus in the wedding. See, someone might be a problem in your life. They might be a problem in your life, but for Jesus, they're a miracle waiting to happen. They're a miracle waiting to happen. We, we see from a different perspective than from what God sees. It's very challenging for us as humans because we only have so much emotional energy and time, and we have little boxes, and we really try to protect that. And there's some people that are toxic in our life, and, and we really can't allow them into our world because it's very damaging. But God sees that person in a completely different perspective because he's long-suffering. He's patient. He's merciful. This man had a problem, but he, he was about to encounter a man who was named Jesus who could solve his problem. There's something worse than being born blind today. There's something worse in your life and my life than being born blind. It's being born spiritually blind. It's a bigger problem. Everyone say, that's a problem. That's a problem. It's a problem that we came into this world, the Bible says, and we were sinners. We were in need of a Savior. We couldn't see the truth. We couldn't see the truth. We had some men that came to the encounter, and, and even through the encounter where the presence of God was so real and things were happening, they weren't able to see the truth yet. My human flesh, like, you know, that frustrates me because I'm like, can't you get it? I just want everyone to experience what I experienced. I mean, I was, I was just so impacted. I, I needed a fresh encounter with God. I was so, and I wanted everyone to experience. But not everyone was in the same place. They were blind to the spiritual reality of what was right before them. God had this great big gift, this most beautiful, valuable gift. It was, just, it was waiting for them. It had their name on it. But they weren't ready to receive. And that's how many people on our planet are. They're blind to the spiritual reality of what Christ can do for them. We're blind to the truth. We're, we're blind to the love of God. We're blind to His forgiveness. At the women's encounter, one of the women was talking about, I knew that God could forgive me, but I really didn't know that God did forgive me. I didn't know that God really... 
And so you live with shame and guilt and condemnation. Our brother up here had all the whys. He lived under the shame and the guilt and the condemnation. But this weekend he discovered that he was forgiven. And so his why went to a wow. It's only God can do that. Only God can change the human heart. Only God can give you a brand new start. Only God can take your problem and turn it into a possibility of a miracle and a supernatural exchange and encounter with Him. This man was blind. Jesus was passing His way. He had lots of problems. But he heard something. Look at verse number 36. And the Bible says that when he heard the crowd going by, he asked, what was happening? He heard. He heard. There was a curiosity that was piqued in him. The Bible says that faith, Romans chapter 10, verse 17 says that faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Faith cometh by hearing. He heard that Jesus was passing His way. He heard the message of hope. Oh, one of the greatest things, one of the things that just keeps me going, one of the things that enables me to stand before you on a weekly basis is because I know after a long period of time of preaching the wonderful message of Christ and the good news is that there are many people who hear. And because they hear, they respond. And because they respond, their destinies are changed forever and ever and ever. Come on. Their destinies are changed forever. How does that happen? Because they hear. You have to hear first. And how can they hear unless someone tells? You have a message of good news today. You're a believer today. If you're a believer, you're a follower of Christ. You have a message that someone needs to hear. You have a message of a Savior who's changed your life. Everyone in this room has a story. Everyone in this room, your story might not be as dramatic as as others, but you have a story of the grace of God. He heard the crowd was passing by. He heard that Jesus was coming His way. If you've grown up in the church, maybe you don't remember the first time you really heard about Jesus and something inside of you became curious. But I've talked to many people who came to Christ as adults or young adults. And I've seen many, many, many young people, many young people come to our church and talk to many people that someone in their work, someone at their school. I talked to a young lady just a couple of weeks ago right outside of our, right outside the building here. She was telling me how she came to faith in Christ. And she said she went to someone in high school and she heard someone talking about Jesus. Someone who was really excited about Jesus. Someone who'd had a life change. Someone who'd been forgiven. Someone who knew the grace of God and the love of God and the power of God. And they began to just tell them what Jesus had did. <coughs> she didn't grow up in a Christian home. She said, but something in me became curious. So I thought I would come to see. I thought I'd come to see. And then she came to a Wednesday night wide open service. And she said in that service, she said the very first time, She heard the message of Jesus and the wonderful message of good news and hope. She said, I do. I respond. She's on the worship team over at the the Millennium Praise team now. and She's singing songs of worship and praise to Jesus. I mean, it's a life transformation. It's a life change. You see, he was curious and he heard. But he also did something else. He called. He called out to Christ. He called out to Jesus. This is really... Today, I don't know how to express this in any other way, but I want you to know whether your call is loud, because his call was loud. His call was a shout. It was a shout that stopped the God of the universe. Think about this. 
the God of the universe, the one who was there in the beginning when creations were spoken into existence, the one who before the beginnings of the foundations of the world would shed his blood for you and I. His name is Jesus. This shout stopped God. What was it about that? You know, because there were lots of people that would call to Jesus. There were lots of people that would cry out to Jesus. What was it about this man? What was it about? What was it about it? I mean, because there's lots of voices and there's lots of messages. There's lots of people that pray. There's lots of people that yell at God. Why did he get God's attention? Because when the distractions came, when the crowd tried to hold him back, when the temptation to just go along with popularity, when the temptation came to shut his mouth, when the temptation came not to get up on a Sunday morning and go to church, when the temptation came not to give your tithe, when the temptation came not to open your mouth and share the gospel with someone else, When the temptation came, he cast that all aside. Come on, he cast it all aside. Because he had a determination. He had a need in his life. And many times, many, many times, the reason that we don't press in, the reason that we don't press until the breakthrough happens is because we really haven't identified the need. Or if we've identified the need, we're not willing to do what's necessary to gain the attention of God. And that is to cry out to Him. I, Jeremiah 33.3 is one of the great verses of the Old Testament where the prophet says that God said to His people who were held in captivity, they were held in bondage, they were taken as slaves. I mean, lots of bad things had happened to them. But He said, if you call unto Me, I will answer and show you great and mighty things. If you call, if you call, don't reach the remote control. I mean, the tendency for all of us is when the pressure comes, and we even heard some of the guys talk about it, when the stress comes and the pressure's coming, that's when there's a door many times that opens up for behaviors that become addictive in our life. Because we're looking for something to try to comfort, to try to soothe, to try to ease that pressure. Some people use food. Some people use food. Some people, when they start to feel really stressed, they walk to the refrigerator a hundred times. And, and you, you, we've all done that, where you open the refrigerator door. You just kind of, you're not even really hungry, but you just look in to see what's there. You just kind of, well, look and then shut and then maybe get a little snack of that or, you know, what is that? You're, you're looking for something. Uh, this man, Jesus was passing his way and he was in desperation, but he was also determined He was determined to get the attention of Jesus. And he yells out a shout. And the Bible says that God stopped. God stopped. God stopped. Jesus' discourse and discussion, as he goes through the Gospels, he tells the parable of two men that go into the temple. It's right here in Luke 18. And this whole story summarizes what Jesus talks about in Luke 18. But he says one guy comes to the temple and, you know, he doesn't really have a need. and He's self-sufficient and everything's okay. And God, I'm okay with you. I'm doing pretty good. And the other guy comes and he says, God, I'm not even worthy. Father, I'm not even worthy to look up. I'm a sinner. He came with a spirit of humility. He came with a spirit of brokenness. I found that life has a tendency when you're going through problems and great struggles and great trials 
you find yourself in a place of humility. You find your place in a, whether or not you respond or whether or not you, you allow that humility to break into a place of desperation for God. That's up to you. I find in our culture today that's not what happens. A young man today told me he was living in West Virginia just in the last few months and he said there was a local restaurant that opened there and he said they, they gave drug tests to 100 people and out of the 100 people they gave drug tests, only 15 could pass. Only 15 out of 100. Only 15. What about a generation of people that are addicted to... Per- I'm going to stay on this uh, prescription pill thing and I believe, you know, doctors and all that. And, but I kind of tell you, there's an abuse in our culture like this generation has never seen. They thought crack cocaine is bad, but this whole next thing with these prescription pills have just gone to the next level. I mean, they just, it's gone. And there's so much of it in our culture. It's just, it's amazing. It's amazing. Why is that? Why is that? Jesus, Jesus has come to set the captive free. Jesus has come to give life and to give it more abundantly. Jesus has good news. Jesus has hope. Jesus has forgiveness. Jesus has a changed life. Jesus has a new way of living. Jesus has abundant possibilities. Jesus has miracles. Jesus has everything that you have need of today. What color are your cards here? Yellow? Why don't you take your yellow card right now? What this man did was, is he identified his need. He identified his need. He identified his need. Really, that's what we did in this encounter this weekend. We identified our need. I just got to believe that there's a few in here today that you have a need. I want you just to close your eyes right now. I want you just, in this moment, in this atmosphere, Tom, if you could come to the keyboard, please. In this moment, in this atmosphere, if you could take just this moment, we're going to identify a need in our life. We're going to identify a need. This is going to be a need that you know that within your own power and your own strength, you can't fix. You know that today. Uh, You know, it might be a relationship. It might be a financial problem. Usually, those are kind of symptoms of other issues. It might be self-control in your eating. It might be a drug issue. I mean, you know, you can go down the list of things that happen in the human heart. For someone here today, it might just be a need to know that God is really real. That might be your need. You just need to really know that God is really, really real. That was my need at one point in my life to really, really know. Maybe you really need to know today that you're forgiven. Maybe you need to know the the love of God. Take just a moment today. You've got to open your eyes now. I want you to take just this moment. I want you to write down the need that's in your life. Every week at City Church, we have people that pray. We pray. We pray over these cards. And then we, we send out these requests to some intercessors. And they write notes and make phone calls and tell people that they're praying for them. Because we believe in a God who hears and answers prayers. We believe that the responsibility and the call of the church is not to have potlucks and to have business meetings and to have clubs. But one of our primary responsibilities is to pray. If my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray. We're the people of God. We're intercessors today. We're coming into an election cycle and there's so much complaining about politics and so much complaining about politicians. And Paul said, never complain about your president. But Paul said, pray for your president. Whatever you think or believe, that's, you know, I understand. We all have opinions. That opinion won't change the course of history. What will change the course of history and the destiny of nations is if the people of God will pray. If my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray. 
You've taken that moment and you've identified your need. You see this morning, what you see about this man's life is that he had faith to receive. He had faith to receive. When Jesus said, what do you want me to do for you? I want to see. And immediately the Bible says, Jesus, your faith has made you well. Your faith has given you sight. Your faith. Faith. I'm beyond emotions at this point. It's just the trust. It's just the confidence. We sat in our office the other day, my wife and I, with another woman. And we sat there and we looked at some of the challenges we're facing as a church. And Lord and I just begin to recount all the times that God provided for us. We just begin to tell this person about all the miracles, all the supernatural provisions, the times that we thought this church would never go on, the times that we got eviction notices and told that we had to move out, the times that we didn't have enough money to make payroll, the times that all kinds of things that have come to this church throughout our years. And and over and over and over, we see God provide. And so when I stand today and I pray, I don't know how it's going to happen. I don't know how God's going to work on my behalf. I don't have this all figured out, but I simply believe. I just believe. It isn't always easy to struggle. There's a wrestle. The more I think about the problem, the less I believe. So i got to stop thinking about the problem and start looking to Jesus. Come on. i got to stop thinking about the, the impossibilities and the challenges and start thinking about what God can do on my behalf. That's faith. It goes beyond emotions. It's a determination in your spirit to receive from God. And immediately he received the sight. But here's the thing. He chose to become a follower of Jesus. In your Bibles. He chose to follow Jesus. Praising God when all the people saw it. And they praised God. Oh, Jesus. You can just see he jumps up. We're having a discussion in our staff and staff meetings for the last couple of months about discipleship and what it means to be a disciple. And we've talked about it. Glenn's been preaching. I've been talking on Sunday morning. There's a huge difference between being a Christian and being a follower of Jesus. There's a huge difference between using the label Christian and actually being a follower of Christ. Because a follower of Jesus does the things that Jesus did. The follower of Jesus says the things that Jesus said. The follower of Jesus has the love of God for people that Jesus did. The follower of Jesus lives a different life than a person who claims to be a Christian. There's a difference. I just Because our culture, we, we kind of have a belief in Christianity, but it goes beyond an entity. It goes to a relationship. He was a follower. He, he got up and he began to follow Jesus and he began to give Him praise. And here's the deal. Here's the deal. You know how, you, you know how his life was changed? Bill, you know how his life was changed? Other people started following him and praising God. That's right. Other people started That's praising right. him. Stephanie, do you know how you become a follower of Jesus when you look around and you see other people now are following Jesus and worshiping God? And let me tell you, it begins, parents, right in your own home. It begins, that's where Jesus, we're saying, Lord, Jesus, have mercy on me. I need you to save my child. I need you to work deliverance in my home. I remember my mother telling me after I gave my life to Christ, she said, I had to come to the point in my relationship with God because it caused me so much anguish to know that you were on a pathway of hell. She said, I had to come to the point in my relationship with God where I just said, God, he's not my boy, he's yours. 
And she said, when that happened, something just happened in her heart and she was able to release me into the hands of God. You see, when you look around and other people, you're serving in a local ministry and all of a sudden you realize maybe there's children worshiping Jesus. I, I go over to chapel when Tom's leading the three and four year olds on a little, uh, what, day, what day is chapel? Thursday. Thursday morning, and they got about a 10 minute chapel. And Tom, he takes the four year old right into the presence of God. I mean, they're over there, they're just, and little four year olds are worshiping Jesus. And he's taught them that song, Roaring Like a Lion. So all the boys are Roaring Like a Lion. Last night, the men, we must have sang Roaring Like a Lion like 40 times. Roaring Like a Lion. We couldn't sing anything else, but we could sing Roaring Like a Lion. They were praising Jesus. This morning, I want you to know I'm here today and I saw some men that were changed, transformed, right. impacted by the goodness of God and the glory of Jesus. And because there were some other men who got up, who once were blind, but now they see and they were worshiping Jesus. Other men are now worshiping Jesus. Come on, the greatest testimony of your life. The greatest testimony of your life. Are others following Jesus? There's no thrill. Just There's nothing like it. In whatever capacity you're being used, you're cleaning a building. I mean, everything we do as unto the Lord is an act of worship and service. Because of that act of worship and service, other people are impacted. There was a, a monk in the 15th century. His name was Brother Lawrence. And it's got a little tiny book daddy wrote a little tiny book he talks about the presence of God and finding joy and finding God's presence in washing dishes in the kitchen just finding joy just the whole book is themed on his experience of washing pots and glorifying God while he's doing the dishes wow what a simple thought what a simple thought guess what happened other people started watching him wash dishes. Other people come from other places to start washing him because he washed dishes like no one else. Because the presence of God was in that activity. Everything he did was to bring glory to God. That's the greatest hallmark of your life today. I want you to bow your heads this morning and you've identified your need and we're going to pray over these needs and we're going to close in a song this morning. Maybe your need today is to become a follower of Christ and you can check that off on the box and I don't know where you're at today with God. There's people in all different places and stations of life. Maybe you need a miracle. You're desperate. Come on, you're desperate. You're desperate today. God, I need you to do something that only you can do. I know that feeling. I know that sense of being overwhelmed by the trials and the troubles of life. I know that feeling of my own inadequacies and my own failures, my own shortcomings. I know them well. I know all those feelings. But today I've said, Lord... It's not by feelings that I live, but it's by faith. I give it all to you. you. Lay your hand on that card today. I'm going to begin to pray. Father, I thank you for every man and every woman and every young person that's in this room today. Lord, we're all in different places in a relationship with you. But I pray, Lord, that some eyes would be open. Maybe some that are here this morning that were spiritually blind, their eyes would all of a sudden just begin to be open and they could see you. Lord, I pray right now that in this moment of grace, you are passing by as they're laying their hands in their card and they're asking. There's a faith that rises up and they're saying, Lord, I believe. Yes. Yes. Lord, I believe. I believe. You're the God of hope. 
You're the God of faith. Jesus, I speak this over your people today. I ask this in your wonderful and your mighty name. In the mighty and the awesome name of Jesus. Amen. Can you give the Lord a hand clap this morning? Let's tell Him that we love Him. This morning, this is what I want you to do. We're going to stand. You guys got the song like the lion? Yeah. Okay, this is the last time we're going to... Wait a second. This is the last time we're singing a song for like four months. <laughs> but just for me and for the guys from the encounter, we're going to sing Roaring Like a Lion, whatever, whatever it's called. We're going to sing this one more time. I want you to stand. And on your way out this morning, I want you to take those cards and I want you to place them in the buckets. Because our staff and our team is going to be praying over y'all week this week. God bless you. Let's sing. John's not dead. He's surely alive. He's living on the inside. Roaring like a lion. My God's not dead. He's surely alive. He's living on the inside. Roaring like a lion. My God's not dead.